What's up, everybody? This is Jack Thomas here bringing you Howling Talk Radio. This is my new look podcast in which we find interesting and unique stories from all around the world, and we bring them right here to discuss them. So what am I bringing you for this week? Well, the first thing I want to start off with is the current state of YouTube. So if you don't know, YouTube, which is owned by Google, is the largest video sharing and streaming site in the world. With over 70 million hours of content being uploaded every minute is what YouTube claims, a lot of content ends up on YouTube. And, well, things aren't going too great for YouTube at the moment. You see, they did their annual YouTube Rewind, and if you don't know what that is, at the end of the year, every year, YouTube releases a video in which they celebrate all the things done on YouTube during that previous year. And while the first one was fairly well-liked, everyone since then has been basically hated, and this year was no exception. In fact, this year was even worse. In YouTube this year, a lot of things happened. And we can start this year off by talking about the Logan Paul controversy. You see, Logan Paul, who is a pretty big YouTuber, ended up going to the Suicide Forest, yes, the very famous Suicide Forest in Japan, and taking pictures and basically acting like an absolute twat out in the middle of the woods and managed to capture the body of a recently deceased person on camera. He then went and had the bright idea to upload that video, and it wasn't until YouTube put it on trending and people had a major outrage about it that it finally got pulled down. And instead of Logan Paul actually being punished for it, um, every other content creator got punished. You see, they added a new thing where you had to have so many watch hours and so many subscribers before you could now monetize your content. The only problem with that is, is Logan Paul already had that. He didn't need any of the things that YouTube was asking for. I think it's like a 1,000 subscribers and 10,000 watch hours in the past year. And this doesn't hurt Logan Paul at all, but it hurts smaller channels that were monetized that made a few bucks here and there based on how many subscribers they had or how many watch hours they had. And like, take, for instance, an animation channel. An animation channel might only have, you know, or might have over a 1,000 subscribers, but animation is such hard work to do that their animation, the animations put out may only be two to three minutes long. That makes it very hard to get 10,000 watch hours. So the Logan Paul controversy, all it ended up doing was hurting smaller YouTubers and didn't bother Logan Paul in the slightest. So then after that happens, there's more controversy with PewDiePie, where PewDiePie once again is being called a Nazi by, you know, the mainstream news media. So if you don't know the story behind this, basically PewDiePie shouted out a small channel and a, a number of small channels And one of the small channels he happened to shout out on one of his videos, the guy turned out to be a Nazi. And not like how in modern day politics, everybody's a Nazi. No, like an actual Nazi Nazi. PewDiePie apologized because he didn't know, he didn't take the time to go through every single video of every single person that he checked out. And, you know, he was once again called a Nazi by the mainstream media. And this time they went as far to label people like Lacey Green who PewDiePie followed on Twitter, and if you don't know who Lacey Green is, she's a sex-positive feminist, I believe is the term she uses. She got labeled a Nazi by the same media that said PewDiePie's a Nazi. That happens, the Logan Paul incident happens, and YouTube Rewind comes around, this is the point I'm trying to make, 
And instead of YouTube putting in PewDiePie or even mentioning PewDiePie, who's the biggest person on their platform, instead of bringing in Logan Paul or Jake Paul or even mentioning any of it, you know, saying, hey, look, this happened this year, but we're moving on from it because that's what we would actually do in a year in review type scenario. YouTube opens up with Will Smith. And yeah, Will Smith has made YouTube videos, but if you want to be relatable and you want to market yourself to potential advertisers, you know, maybe using one of the biggest movie stars who's been a kajillionaire since he was 19 years old is probably not the way to go. But they open up with Will Smith because, you know, he's obviously incredibly relatable. I can relate to him. I bet you can relate to him. My wife can relate to him. Everybody knows what it's like to be Will Smith. Will Smith knows what it's like to be everybody. I mean, if I think of someone who's relatable, I think of Will Smith. So they open up with Will Smith, and then they move on to Ninja. Ninja, the Twitch streamer. You know, YouTube's like only real competition that isn't pornography. And then they include Marquise Brownlee, who, by the way, um, Will Smith refers to as Mark Ass Brownlee in the video. And they, they move on to him. They move on to Casey Neistat. And they actually do bring in some YouTubers, but they bring in some that haven't made videos in like eight months. And the video doesn't go over well. It has a political opinion in it. And I'm not even going to get into whether that opinion is right, whether that opinion is wrong. It doesn't matter. It was a weird place to put a political opinion in a video that's supposed to be this year in review for people who use the platform and is supposed to be a potential marketing spot for advertisers. So the video is immediately disliked. Everybody hates it. No one can stand it. It gets something like 8 million dislikes in the first three days. The most disliked video on YouTube of all time is sitting at like 9.8, and it took years to get there. Well, within a, a week, the YouTube Rewind for 2018 becomes the most disliked video. It surpasses Baby by Justin Bieber. It hits... I, I want to say like 11 million dislikes in a week. It's up to 14 million as of now. And YouTube, they say that they're listening. They say that they hear it. And around the same time that they're filming YouTube Rewind, they're, and they're doing the processing, they're doing the editing, everything like that. Around that exact same time, they ban 58 million channels and videos. Yes, 58 million. Some of the people that get caught up in this ban are pretty big YouTubers, people like Mumkey Jones. Mumkey Jones made dark comedy. He made he called himself an Elliot Roger fanboy, Elliot Roger being a mass shooter. He he was never serious. He made dark comedy and he was banned for hateful and potentially dangerous content. But if you actually listen to him, it was very obvious he was trying to be ironic. He was trying to make fun of these types of things. And the only serious thing that he actually did was he read Elliot Rogers' manifesto as an audiobook, but he did it for educational purposes. He did it to show people what the mind of a madman actually looks like. He didn't do it to promote the guy. He didn't do it to promote the, the supreme gentleman mentality that Elliot Rogers had, the women hating, the misogyny. He didn't do it for that. He did it to show people how crazy and how insane and how dangerous Elliot Rogers actually was. YouTube decides that that's the final straw. They they ban his videos, they pull him out, they ban both of his channels, or all three of his channels, I apologize. They ban him for that because apparently that's dangerous and hateful content that might incite violence. 
This happens. Monkey Jones gets into a big, big, big Twitter feud with YouTube and with Google. They're not going to back down. He's not backing down. He ends up getting a major, major amount of exposure from it. So YouTube actually kind of helped him in a way because, for instance, I didn't really listen to Monkey Jones. I never really watched his stuff. After this happened, I went through and watched every video I could find. I went through and I watched every interview I can find. And I know I'm not the only person that did this, all right? So at the same time that Monkey Jones gets banned, another fairly big YouTuber, about 100K subscribers, by the name of Based Shaman, ends up losing his monetization on almost all of his videos. You see, Based Shaman would go through and he would read up about famous internet subjects, whether they be, they be Kristen or Christian Weston Chandler, for if you don't know who that guy is, uh, free up your schedule for the rest of the day because his story is just something else and it goes over the better part of a decade, all right? So, I mean, and it includes, like, macing a GameStop employee and being mad that Sonic's arms aren't blue and the new Sonic the Hedgehog game. Seriously, if you ever have the time, just just read up on all the controversies surrounding Christian Weston Chandler over the past decade, because it is absolutely something else. But another thing Bay Shaman did was he talked about incels, which Elliot Rogers, who I mentioned in the Monkey Jones part of this, Elliot Rogers considered himself to be an incel, an involuntary celibate, someone who believes that women hate them. All women hate them. They have no chance of ever hooking up with any woman ever, never finding love. It's it's a really dangerous mentality. And Bay Shaman used to talk about them. He used to go to their forums. He used to talk about the things that they would talk about. He used to offer what he called uh, the ability to cope. And that would help them try and build a more positive and more better outlook on life. And there a lot there was a lot of stuff that went on with that. He got into some arguments with them at one point. He may or may not have told one of them to kill themselves after they went after him. That doesn't really matter. YouTube, during all of this, decides that he needs to lose his monetization on almost all of his videos, especially the Elliot Rogers and the Incel videos, for the same reason that they banned Monkey Jones, and that is dangerous and harmful content that could incite potential violence. And you might be thinking to yourselves, Jack, why are you talking about this? Well, you know, you mentioned earlier you're not necessarily a listener of Monkey Jones, and you'd be right, I'm not. I'm not really a listener of Monkey Jones. I listened to a lot of his stuff after he got banned because that's the first time I had ever heard of him. But I did listen to Bass Shaman, and I'll tell you right now, Bass Shaman wasn't doing anything that was harmful or potentially dangerous. And if you don't care about either of these people, you think that, you know, this type of content shouldn't be talked about, well, just hold on for a second because this has to deal with the entire state of YouTube. So we have the bad YouTube rewind that happens. We have the 58 million videos of people being banned. That happens. Banned and demonetized, I should say. That happens. And then as soon as we roll into 2019, we roll into the new year, YouTube says that they've learned we're all going to work together. We're going to make this a great platform for everybody. Jake Paul, yes, the younger brother of Logan Paul I mentioned earlier, Jake Paul and another YouTuber who's very, very, very big by the name of Rice Gum get called out for a gambling controversy because they're promoting gambling to children. So what it is is they were promoting a website called mysterybrand.net. Now on mysterybrand.net, you could go and you could pay a little bit of money and you would get the chance to open a box. And in these boxes, you had a different chance of getting a different item. And the more you spent on a box, the better the items could be. 
So picture a loot crate. If any of you know what a loot crate is, picture a loot crate, but you don't know exactly what the worth of the contents of the box are going to be. And the first reason this could potentially be a problem is Jake Paul and Ricegum have both said in the past, their audiences are fairly young. And this, this looks like gambling. This looks like you're telling kids to go get their parents' credit cards and go, oh, look, we can bet on these boxes and we can win some prizes. And these, the most of their audience is way too young to be doing this. They're too young to have a credit card first off, and they're way too young to be taking risk on mystery boxes. But it gets even worse. And that's because someone, and I don't have their name and I wish I did, someone went through and they looked at the boxes and they looked at the prizes and they looked at the odds of winning the prizes and they did the math. Because you gotta love people who always do the math on these types of scenarios. And some of these boxes you could get for only $15 and they were claiming that you could win Lamborghinis. They were claiming you could win brand new Mercedes. They were claiming you could win a mansion worth over $2 million for only 15 bucks that you're shot to win one of these things. But someone did the math and they figured out that that can't be possible based on the odds because at a 0.15% chance of winning one of these at $15 a box, the company would be losing money on these products and they can't possibly want to lose money on this. Nobody just gives their stuff away. So then right there, we know that the odds are bad. Okay, the odds that they claim to have are not good. And in fact, after the person who exposed this put it out there, mysterybrand.net actually pulled down the ability to see odds of winning these prizes. So Jake Paul and Ricegum, they do this video, which is already a little, you know, shaky. They do this video and in the video, Jake Paul wins an iPhone, which is like a gold tier box. He he wins an iPhone and he wins, I think, some shoes. And Ricegum also wins a lot of stuff, including a purse that is supposedly worth $10,000 and a pair of shoes, I believe, that are worth like a grand. The only problem is more people started to look into this and more people started to play on this website and they bought the exact same types of boxes and never once, spending way more money than Jake Paul and Ricegum apparently did, never once won anything near a $1,000 pair of shoes or a brand new iPhone. In fact, most people won phone charging cables, and other, you know, little knickknacks like that. Then comes the problem where Rice Gum and Jake Paul said, well, after a few days, our stuff showed up in the mail that we won on this website. Other people are claiming that it's been 60 to 90 days and have never received a single item, but yet Rice Gum and Jake Paul can get theirs in two days flat. If you're paying attention, this is starting to look like a scam, and that's what everyone's been calling it. Everyone's been calling it a scam. I'm I'm not sure if scam is necessarily the correct word, but bait and switch, which I guess is a form of scam, would definitely apply here, where they tell you, oh, you have the chance to win one thing, and in reality, you never have that chance at all. And just a quick side note on story time, I'm sure most people out there have gotten stuff in the mail that says, oh, hey, you've won, like, a $1,000 gift card to Walmart, or something like that, as long as you sit through our little presentation you you can win and then claim your prize. And in reality, there's always some weird wording in there. And actually what you won was a like coil up water hose or something, you know, take it from me because I'm speaking from personal experience here. It's a waste of everybody's time. This means that we now have Jake Paul and Ricegum, two huge YouTubers 
promoting a website that might as well be gambling to their very young audiences based on bad odds, high prizes, and the possibility of stuff never actually turning up. And the general theory here is that Jake Paul and Ricegum were both paid a lot of money to make these videos, and they were allowed to bet with money that probably wasn't their own. The money was probably already put on the account by the company, and they the odds were probably better for them than they would be for most people, right? Because they have to be shown winning. And while all this in and of itself is pretty bad, it wouldn't nearly gain the attention that it's gained if it didn't come on the heels of all the other stuff that I had mentioned. So Logan Paul does something stupid earlier in the year, and while YouTube Rewind doesn't even acknowledge it, they punish, YouTube themselves punish all the smaller creators for what Logan Paul did. PewDiePie gets completely left out of YouTube Rewind because YouTube doesn't want to associate with someone who's controversial in the mainstream. They banned 58 million people by using an algorithm that may or may not have actually gotten the right people, and they banned Monkey Jones, and they demonetize, you know, helpful people like Bay Shaman. But man, they don't seem to have a problem with what Jake Paul and uh, Ricegum are doing, do they? And I guarantee everyone's talking about this right now. I'm talking about it right now. All the big YouTubers are talking about it. H3H3, Keemstar. Everyone's talking about it right now, and I guarantee you that after the outrage gets big enough, YouTube will find a new and creative way, because they're listening, remember, to punish everyone except for the parties responsible. But that's where I'm going to end it on this topic for today, so I want to hear from you on this. What do you think about the current state of YouTube? Do you think YouTube was right to do a YouTube rewind that basically didn't have anything to do with YouTube that year? Or do you think it was ridiculous, like 14 million other people do? Do you think that YouTube was right to ban these potentially dangerous and harmful accounts because it is, in fact, their platform and they have every right to do so? Or do you think that it was a shot towards free speech? Also, what do you think about Monkey Jones and, and Bay Shaman in particular? If you're familiar with their content, do you think that they deserve to be caught up in this ban? And lastly, I want to know what you think about the Jake Paul rice gum controversy as far as the mysterybrand.net goes, how this ties into everything. And is YouTube, is YouTube being hypocritical? Are they allowing, you know, child gambling promotions to go on while simultaneously taking down people who were making fun of school shooters? So I want to know what you think. So you can tweet me at HowlingJackT on Twitter. That's at H-O-W-L-I-N-G-J-A-C-K-T on Twitter. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next story. And our next story today involves disgraced comedian Louis C.K. So if you don't know, last year during the height of the Me Too movement, Louis C.K. was called out for pulling his pud in front of women who wanted to work for him. And during this process, he lost his TV show, he lost a lot of his stand-up specials, and he was absolutely disgraced, and he went into hiding for uh, about a year. Well, recently, he has resurfaced and is doing stand-up again, and is once again embroiled in some controversy, because comedian Louis C.K. mocks Parkland shooting survivors in leaked audio. Well, at least according to CNN, that's what he did. What he's in trouble for is this quote right here. Quote, 
testify in front of Congress, these kids. What the F are, what are you doing? Because you went to a high school where kids got shot. Why does that mean I have to listen to you? Why does that make you interesting? You didn't get shot. You pushed some fat kid in the way, and now I gotta listen to you talking. And of course, this didn't go over well with anyone. In fact, we actually had Parkland shooting survivors come out and tweet out things like, while I appreciate members of the press for doing their duties, I and hopefully others will decline to speak more on this subject. This grants further attention to an individual whose deplorability belongs left behind as we ascend into a brighter new year. And many other people weighed in as well, with Jim Carrey doing a painting saying that Louis can't see K. If you don't know anything about Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey doesn't like guns at all, so it's not surprising that he would respond in this form. What is a little surprising is the way that actress Ellen Barkin responded to Louis C.K. You see, Ellen Barkin responded by tweeting out that she hoped Louis C.K. gets raped and shot at. If you don't see the problem with this, then you must be absolutely blind. Now, look, I don't want to defend Louis C.K. I'm not really a fan of his. And what he did, while technically he had the consent of the women he, he masturbated in front of, it's real hard to get consent when those people work for you. It's a, it's a major ethical violation. But Louis C.K. didn't rape anybody and he didn't shoot at anybody. He didn't make fun of Parkland victims. He made fun of people like David Hogg. So the response that you hope he gets raped and shot at, aside from being, you know, way, way, way out of bounds and unequivocal to the things that he said and did, it shows a hypocrisy here. No one would ever, in their right minds, hope that someone else gets raped. That's just wrong. So not only is the response from Ellen Barkin unequivocal and hypocritical, it also seems to, and I would suggest, people aren't really mad that he did this stand-up. They're still mad from what he did a year ago. And that's fine. You can still be mad at him for it. You can still think he shouldn't have a job. But it seems that the motivation behind the anger has less to do with him supposedly making fun of Parkland victims than it does the fact that he committed some unethical acts a year ago. And I'm willing to bet that if this was another comedian of Louis C.K.'s stature who had made this exact same joke in these exact same type of sets, while it would probably get outraged because everybody's outraged by something nowadays, I don't think it would have gotten nearly the media response that it's gotten from places like CNN, you know, MSNBC, Fox News, the big three, as well as all the little ones, the Washington Post, New York Times, Jezebel, Breitbart, whatever garbage people read nowadays. The anger as far as the Parkland, you know, the specific jokes go, it, it makes sense when, you know, it was barely a year ago and parents of the 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 slain students say things like my daughter was killed in the parkland shooting my son ran from the bullets why don't you come to my house and try out your new pathetic jokes but a lot of the people seem that are jumping on him here seem to be jumping on him with misplaced anger they're not upset necessarily about the jokes he told they're upset that it's him and those are the jokes he told and i like i said i'd be willing to bet that this is if this was another comedian There'd be outrage, there'd be outrage from the people who are upset about the Parkland jokes themselves, but it wouldn't be to nearly the level it is because it's Louis C.K. Not everybody who was involved with Parkland actually was offended by it. In fact, 
Major East Stoneman Douglas High School survivor Cameron Kasky defended Louis C.K. She said that comedy exists to be offensive. And many people would agree with her. Offensive comedy exists for a reason. George Carlin was incredibly popular all the way up until his death, and he never did a clean set. I'm, I tend to be one of the people who thinks that if you're offended by comedy, the best thing you can do, and listen up because this is advice for you, the best thing you can do is not pay attention to that comedian because the more angry you get about it, it just drives up support for them. People dig in when they feel like something they like is being attacked. So if you, you go protest at a shows or you do typical outrage behavior nowadays, his fans are going to dig in. And people who tend to value free speech over other things, they're going to side with this person when maybe even they thought it was offensive, they were just going to choose to ignore it. But I want to know what you think. Do you think that the jokes by Louis C.K. were out of bounds? Or do you think that, you know, he has every right to make jokes about these people? Do you think he was right? Do you agree with his his actual statement? Even if you don't think it's funny, do you agree with the statement that just because you went through something doesn't make you an expert on it? Or do you think that the kids from Stoneman Douglas should be in front of Congress testifying? I want to know what you think. And I also want to know, what did you think about Ellen Barkin's response? Was her response okay? Or did it show a major hypocrisy that many people have tried to point out now? That if you get on the wrong side of these movements, they hope that all these horrible things happen to you. And, and the phrase that there's no bad tactics, only bad targets. So I want to know what you think. You can go ahead and tweet me at HowlingJackT on Twitter and let me know what your opinion is on all of this. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Howling Talk Radio. I actually had a few other topics I wanted to cover this week, but we're almost at the 30-minute mark as it is. And, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So if you're listening to this on Anchor FM or any other website where you can listen to podcast, make sure that you hit the subscribe button and the follow. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button and maybe hit the notification bell if you want to know when new episodes are out. Until next time, this is Jack Thomas with Howling Talk Radio, and I'll talk to you next week.